Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another exciting night of NBA basketball. With the first pick, the Detroit Pistons select Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State University. Chandler again. Oh, what a block by Max Seal! My goodness! The Pistons are digging in. They got the depth. They got the big men. They got the better basketball team. No doubt about it. There's Jaden playing the passing lane. Sky's a jam. Dynamite dunk and the crowd loves it. Pistons need a three and they have just under three seconds to do it. Here's Chauncey Phillips. Here it is. Pistons fans, hello and welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. Aaron Johnson here with you this week, and joining me is my good friend Jasper Apollonia. Jasper, the Pistons have made history, and we are going to talk all about it today. But first, how are you doing, my friend? I know you're a little under the weather, but you are braving it out, toughing it out, and here with me to record a podcast, one of the toughest things to do. In this world. Oh, <laughs> that's right. You know, I think our troops get a lot of credit, but podcasters, we have it hard too. Uh, no, I mean, hey, I I feel like I'm showing more fight right now than the Pistons have in their last 15 games. So uh, it's it's been a journey. I know people are probably expecting me to come on here and uh, rant and rave once again, but. Like you said, right before we started recording, Aaron, the final step is acceptance. And I think that's where I'm at right now in my five stages of grief. Uh, I'm at the acceptance stage. So, hey, I'm ready to get into it. There are still a lot of things to talk about. Um, you know, in regards to this team, we, we've gotten some news today, too. So, hey, hopefully better times are around the corner because it's hard to imagine it getting worse, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, it, it can get worse, but it's already so bad now. It getting worse really doesn't seem to matter all that much with the Pistons. So we're we're going to talk about the losing streak. We're going to talk about some bigger picture things with the Pistons as well. But before we do, I did want to talk about our sponsor, Bet Online. The holiday season is off and rolling with the NFL in full stride and the NBA and NHL hitting midseason form. Bet online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info with up to the minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Bet online is also the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports. And not just the big four, Bet online has info available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport that's played. From MMA to international soccer, head to Bet online today and remember to use our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V. For your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Again, the promo code believe B-L-E-A-B for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And just for the record, Bet Online has the Pistons current projected win total line at 21 and a half. 21 and a half. It opened at 27 and a half. I think it rose to 
29 and a half at some books and wow. it 21 and a half 17 games 18 games into this season i i'd still bet the under at this point i mean with the way this team is playing it it just it seems irresponsible to think that they're going to get 20 more wins this year they'd have to go what 20 and 44 the rest of the way yeah they would it would be 20 and 44 to get uh they it's 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 pretty brutal we're that we're at the point where we're like i'm not i don't i don't know if they can win one out more than like not even more than one out of every three games like one out of every three games for the rest of the way i don't think they can do it that's pretty rough it would be a pretty significant feat for for them considering what we've seen and just for you know record's sake you're listening to this on friday or saturday or whenever we're recording this prior to the Thursday night game against the New York Knicks. So we don't know what the Pistons have done uh, against New York in New York, but let's get into where we do know the Pistons are at with their loss on Wednesday night to the Lakers. The Pistons set a franchise record for extending the losing streak to 15, the most, the longest losing streak in franchise history. They have not won a single game in the month of November heading into the Thursday night game against New York, the final game of the month. Following the loss to the Lakers on Wednesday night, head coach Monty Williams said that he felt the losses were on him. He also said that this team struggles with adversity. Jasper, there's a lot going wrong for Detroit right now. What are the biggest things that have stood out to you throughout this 15 game losing streak. I mean, I hate to say it, but like, it's, it's the lack of, Oh my God, the biggest things. I mean, it's the lack of a competent offense. It's the lack of defensive awareness and ability. It's the seeming not indifference because like you can tell it hurts these guys that they're losing. They don't like it, but Monty's not wrong. They do not deal with adversity well. And, you know, I, I noticed something in right, basically going into halftime against that, that LA game, they just were done. Like they knew they could not win that game. And I think the second that you as a young team are in a game and just say, we can't win this. There's nothing we can do to win this game. We are going to lose. And it's not even halftime. I think that that is such such a blow to not just like what you're doing in that game, but a blow to your young players' confidence. It's a blow to your organization. The, the point of the NBA is any team should be able to go out on any given night and beat another, another team. That is just how it works. I remember years ago when the, you know, just trying to come out of the process Sixers on opening night almost beat the Miami Heat were the defending champions. And that's what the NBA is all about. You know, you can get hot one night. Um, you can get hot in a quarter. You can get hot in a half. And this team just seems to know in their heart of hearts that they can't win these games. So while you never want to hear your head coach say, this team doesn't deal well with adversity, I can't say that he's wrong. And I think that that to me is basically a perfect encapsulation of what is wrong with the Pistons right now. They don't deal well with adversity. They are way too young. They don't have vets. 
Um, and this is something we've been talking about. Like we've been saying, you know, how much can Monty Morris and Boyan Bogdanovich really help you? But you do get the feeling that if Boyan Bogdanovich and Monty Morris were on the floor, there would at least be that that coaching from fellow players that they'd say, hey, man, I've been in this situation. You can come back from this. All we got to do is this and that. You go here. You, you, you do that. You lift your head up. And I, I just see none of that in the Pistons right now. They, they just seem defeated. Before they even step on the court, they seem defeated. And it's really, really tough to juxtapose that with, you know, Monty Williams also saying, oh, we had a great practice today. Six guys jumped for a loose ball. Like, oh, brother, the, the problems are way bigger than that. They just have nothing approaching a competent offense or a watchable defense, and they know it. So for me, that's really the biggest issue is that it's exactly like Monty Williams said. They they don't deal well with adversity and they have no answers. And he's right. That also falls on him as the head coach, as the guy who signed at the time the richest head coaching contract in the history of the league. It does fall on him. It falls on Troy Weaver for not putting together a roster that could, you know, survive for God's sake, that couldn't survive having a 34-year-old shooter out of the lineup. And, you know, we can say all we want about, oh, Joe Harris and Monty Morris, but, like, Boyan Bogdanovich is the guy that really has the capability of making a big impact on this team, especially uh, from an offensive standpoint. And Troy Weaver deserves a lot of the blame for not being able to put a roster together that could survive without him. So, ooh. I, I don't really know. I feel like I'm kind of rambling at this point, but really like there's so many issues. I think the biggest issue though, is that they don't deal well with adversity and they haven't been put into a position to deal well with adversity. I think that's really what it comes down to Aaron for you. What do you see as, as being the main issue? Because God knows there are a lot of them. There are a lot, right. And and you look at the last five games for the Pistons, the losses are getting worse and worse, Right. 26 on Wednesday night. They lost by 19 to Washington in the toilet bowl. Then a 23-point loss to Indiana where they were in it going into the fourth quarter and just completely fell apart. A four-point loss to Denver at home in a game in which Michael Malone got ejected within the first eight minutes. Jamal Murray was injured and didn't play. And Nikola Jokic got ejected in the first half. So they caught Denver at their lowest possible point and still lost at home. They lost by 29 to Toronto before that. I mean, this team just is an abysmal group right now. The top four scoring teams in the NBA score more than 120 points per game on average. The Pistons have only scored 120 points or more four times this season, and two of those times came in the team's first two games of the year against Miami and who was their second opponent. No, check that. They've only scored – I'm looking at the preseason. Yeah, they didn't They didn't score 100 points against Miami. They, they only scored, scored like 98. 100 and, they scored 120 points – once in the regular season once the top four teams average 120 plus per game the offense is abysmal for this team they are bottom of the bottom 10 in field goal percentage they are bottom five in three-point percentage 
They turn the ball over at a very, very high rate. Uh, it's just, it's all bad. It's all bad. Try to find a positive. You you really cannot. I mean, the positives of this team right now are two-way player Stanley Mude showing like he can contribute a little bit here and there. I mean, the 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 standards are so low for what anything good looks like for Detroit. Their offense is an absolute abject disaster. The groupings that they're playing are not working. And you can put blame on Troy Weaver. You can put blame on Monty Williams. We are certainly going to talk about both of them and others within the Pistons organization later in the show. But we also have to talk about the players on the court, right? Kate Cunningham has had a lot of flashy number games where he scored 25 or more points, eight plus assists. But then there's also five, six, seven turnovers. It's 28 points on 26 shots. It's inefficient basketball. I think I saw a stat earlier today that Cunningham's shot profile is uh, top 10 most difficult in the league. So he's having such a hard time generating offense, generating good looks, good shots, taking good shots. And that's a big part in why this offense struggles. Jaden Ivey has had some good moments, has fought his way into the starting lineup. And then he was really, really bad for the large majority of the game against the Lakers. They have the issue of trying to pair Asar Thompson, who cannot shoot from outside. Isaiah Stewart, who, despite what the percentage says, isn't a great three-point shooter. And Jalen Duran, all in the starting lineup and trying to space the floor for Cade Cunningham. And the numbers bear out what we can common sense have in mind, that this isn't going to work. We said it before the season. Now we're saying it here and now after 15 straight losses. There's just not enough spacing in that lineup. And to be honest, there's just not a whole lot of spacing on this team. If Bogdanovich is out, Monte Morris is out, Joe Harris is out, this team has fallen off a cliff in three-point percentage. They were, at the beginning of the year, one of the high top 10 or so, I want to believe. I want to say I, I looked at. Now they're bottom five in three-point percentage. So their shooting's fallen off a cliff. The offense is just a total, total disaster. And for as much as this is a team that wants to tip their caps to being defensive-minded, their defense cannot keep up with just how poorly their offense is performing right now. Even at their best, this defense is not going to win this team's games when they are playing so bad offensively. And the defense has not been great for them being such a, you know, quote-unquote defensive-minded team. So the issues run deep. They run far. They run wide. It starts at the top. It runs through the roster. There are a lot of issues with this team that have contributed to just a total disaster of a 15-game losing streak could be 16 if they lose to the Knicks on Thursday night and could extend further out from there. I, I It's just... It's Aaron, fun. do you have any confidence that they're going to win this game tonight? Honestly, like... No. Maybe we'll, no, how, how? How are they going to beat... How are they going to beat the Knicks? 
I, they're not, but I don't, the Knicks always have, have historically in the last five years or whatever dominated the Pistons. And I don't want to sit here for 10 minutes and talk about it and say, give my predictions after the game's already happened for the people listening, but there's just no world that you can expect the Pistons to win this game. I looked last night uh, towards the end of the Lakers game. The Pistons were 13 and a half point underdogs to New York. I mean, 13 and a half points. This isn't the end of the year when the guy rosters, you know, shut down for the year. Jeremy Grant's out for the year and Kate Cunningham's out for the year. It's like, no, they, they're relatively healthy at the end of the day. Like I get Bogdanovich isn't playing, but that's been the way it's been the whole year round. And I mean, it's just an, it's, it's just a total, total disaster right now. I, I, you, you don't want to sit here and just bash this team, but they're giving you nothing to talk well about. They're giving you nothing to say, okay, the record's not great, but look at the way that they fight and they're in all of these games and you're seeing these great, great flashes from Kate Cunningham and from Jaden Ivey and from Jalen Duran and from Asar Thompson. Look at this young core. And I mean, it, it, it brings up the ultimate question of me and, and what really matters in the grand scheme of things for this team is yes, the Pistons have four or five guys that are core, quote unquote core players that all have, you know, a lot of potential and a promising future in this league, but they all have significant issues right now, and they're not showing that there's a legitimate fit there and that they can play together. And that is, in the long term, in the grand scheme of things, way more concerning than losing 15 games in a row, as bad as that is. If these guys aren't good enough to play together, what have the last four years been? What have the last four drafts been about? This is not good in the short term or the long term for this team. No, no, with, without question. It's it's a total disaster, Aaron. I mean, you talk about the offense. I mean, this is an offense that is completely dependent on Cade Cunningham pick and rolls. He's running 12, more than 12 pick and rolls per game this year. He's 36th percentile as a pick and roll ball handler. Only the, he runs the second most pick and rolls of any player in the NBA. 36th percentile. Pistons turn it over 19% of the time. In pick and roll, they score 37% of the time when he's the pick and roll ball handler. Meaning that, like, there's you're half as likely to see a turnover as you are to see any sort of a score of the basketball when Cade Cunningham is running pick and roll. It's it's just not working. And the problem is, what is the solution there? As you just said, they don't have the players to pick up the slack. And now you're seeing guys like Alec Burks, who was, you know, who was bolstering the second unit and keeping them in games earlier in the season. He's come back from, from injury. He's been abysmal, ab absolutely atrocious. Like Alec Burks is just, he's been atrocious. Um, you know, Jaden Ivey has been a, a, a rare bright spot. And I, if we're going to talk about one good thing, I think it's that Jaden and, and Cade have looked pretty good together. And, that is definitely something that we needed to see. Um, you know, when Jaden Ivey's off the floor right now, since he came back from injury, the Pistons' offensive rating has, has absolutely cratered. It's a difference of like 15 points per 100 possessions. So he's definitely making an impact on offense, which I think is a good thing. But you're not seeing the plays drawn up for him. You're not seeing him really being treated as like a secondary ball handler let alone a primary ball handler. And now I think you have to question whether Cade is, should be your primary ball handler all the time, or if you should be splitting duties amongst them more, there, there are no really good answers. And exactly like you said, 
the the biggest issue here is that we have been harping on all of these things, not just since the season started, not just in preseason, not just before the season, for last year, like two seasons now, Aaron, we have been talking about the same thing. We're going, okay, but where's the fit? Where are the veterans? Where's the shooting? What 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 is this roster supposed to look like? And now you are in year four of Troy Weaver's tenure. And I'm sorry, but like Boyan Bogdanovich is hurt is not an acceptable answer to me. The fact that you are relying on Boyan Bogdanovich and Boyan Bogdanovich alone, a 34-year-old who's coming off of an injury to be the only saving grace for your offense. To me, it is complete and total roster malpractice. And again, I'm not going to start screaming. I'm not going to start yelling because I don't need to. Anybody with two eyes and in a working basketball mind can see what is wrong with this team. It, you don't even need to pay attention to the Pistons. You can watch five minutes of every game and you can know exactly what is wrong with this team offensively, defensively. And, you know, you said, like, you know, their defense has fallen off a cliff. I, I do think that a large part of that has to come with the fact that, like, defense is effort. A lot of what makes players great defenders comes down to the amount of effort that they put out on the court. And while we can say, yes, the professionals are getting paid millions of dollars a year, it is hard. It's freaking hard when you're down by 17 points in the second quarter facing LeBron James and Anthony Davis to go, hey, I'm sprinting back down the court to jump on this loose ball. It's hard to say, hey, I'm going to get in front of this guy. Oh, I'm going to give my all... All of my effort. It's just, it's hard to do that mentally because you know you're going to lose the game no matter how hard you try. So at that point, why even bother? Because you can't get a score. You you can't put the ball in the hoop unless it's Cade Cunningham spamming pick and roll or Jaden Ivey, you know, getting the ball on a rebound and sprinting down the court and getting to the rack or... I don't know, an Asar Thompson putback? Like, what are the answers? What are the answers for this team offensively? And we did learn that Boyan Bogdanovich is probably going to be back by the Cleveland game on Saturday, which is, thank God, but, like, who knows what he's going to look like once he's back. He hasn't played basketball in eight months, as far as we know. Um, you know, really, what are the answers? I don't have them. I don't really know what you can do. And you also have a lot of guys that are still banged up. Like Jalen Duran, you talk about defense, Aaron. Jalen Duran to me does not look fully healthy. Like he does not have that same spring in his step that he did at the beginning of the year. He's no. playing basically a hundred, right? Like he's playing drop coverage constantly. That's Monty all he's doing. Said that he's not a hundred percent. It feels like he's getting better and he and he's feeling better, but he's still not a hundred percent right now. So I do definitely think that that plays a role in it, a hundred, hundred percent, because Jalen Dern at the beginning of the year was a completely different player, and he's had he still had his moments. Like he had a few moments against the Lakers where he he, he made a couple nice plays, but we saw a completely different version of Jalen Dern at the beginning of the year. And and in the grand scheme of things, with the way that this team is playing right now, I get fans want these guys to play and win and whatnot, but. If, if Jalen Dern's hurt, 
Like he needs to sit. He needs to get healthy. Unless this is something that like he's got to have surgery for and be shut down for long term. Like if they can avoid that, I, I guess you play him. But this bilateral ankle soreness is not something that is new. This dates back to last season. So he needs to to get this figured out at, at some level because him being healthy is super, super important to what the Pistons can do because he is a completely different player. I mean, if you remember the first two, three games of the year, like think about all those pick and roll actions that ended in a lob to Jalen Durant. Like, yep. just all, all the disappeared. All the blocks he had, he has no lateral quickness tonight right now. Like he can't move sideways. He's he just can't. He can't do it. And that's why he's playing a hundred percent drop coverage every time. And so it's easy for opposing teams to pick apart the pistons because they have no fear of what's gonna happen. Fine, we'll play pick and roll, we'll switch on to Duran. We don't care. Like we we don't care. It doesn't matter to us, or we'll switch on to Stewart because we know that our best offensive players can blow right by him and like Look, don't get me wrong. I think Isaiah Stewart for a big man is a decent perimeter defender, but he can't defend at the rim. Can't defend at the rim. He's not a shot blocker. The teams do not fear him in that way right now, even though he is arguably the Pistons' best defender. So you just have no answers on either end of the ball. I just don't really know what you do at this point until you get back Boyan Bogdanovich. I think the answer is you have to put for me at least, you have to put Stewart on the bench. Like, you have to. Teams do not fear him at all offensively. You you just are not – they don't care. Like, and, and like you said at the beginning of the show, Aaron, like, he – I don't care what the percentages say. Teams do not guard him like he's a threat on the perimeter at all. At all. And why should they? Like, he got hot at the beginning of the season, but he's had a couple hot stretches before. And guess what? Team sagged off him, and they were fine in the end because he shot 32% when it was all said and done. So you take your risks. You take your risks with that because what else are the Pistons going to do? They have no other way to hurt you. No other way to hurt you. And, um, yeah, it's... Oh, it's just a really, really brutal situation. You have to hope that Bogdanovich can give them something something once he comes back uh, yeah, at least in isolation or or in terms of pick and pop or whatever it is because even the screening is terrible now there's nothing they do well offensively yeah you mentioned it but Bogdanovich is supposed to be back or is anticipated to be back as early as Saturday uh, against Cleveland he was questionable to play against New York but eventually ruled out and there has been so much talk about the return of Boyan Bogdanovich. There was a report that came out earlier this week that the Pistons turned down a trade from a contending team of two first-round picks for Bogdanovich last season. So there is a lot of expectations, not just from the fans, but from the organization as well, that Bogdanovich is going to come in and, and really help this team. And and I think he can. like. We're talking about a guy that averaged over 20 points a game last season, shot 40% from the three-point line. But Bogdanovich helping this team is, in my mind, going to make things look a little bit more functional. But he's not enough to change the way the Pistons are trending in the wins-loss columns. He, he's not 
ending this 15 game streak just because Boyan Bogdanovich is back. He might make them play a little bit better. He might add a little bit more right. offense, but this, the, the, the issues are much deeper than this team was missing Boyan Bogdanovich, unfortunately. No. And look, Bogdanovich, Bogdanovich is, is basically, I think the difference between you being, you know, <laughs> having four wins and having two wins at this point, that's kind of where you're at because like, I, I think at the very least though, he can, he can make you not a total embarrassment. And I think that at this point, that's where we're at with Detroit. That's where we're at with this team. You are just praying that they don't embarrass you every single night that they go out there. And, you know, I, I okay, here's a perfect example. I think if they have Boyan Bogdanovich, they win that Denver Nuggets game. In fact, I'm certain of it. They win that Denver Nuggets game if they have Boyan Bogdanovich. But they didn't. And I think that that is exactly why and you mentioned you know the the potential trade package to a contender for two first you know late first round picks a lot of people said why wouldn't you take that why wouldn't you take that to me i look at the product on the floor this year and i say that's exactly why you don't take that because like what on earth are two more late first round picks going to help you in this situation i don't think they can do anything for you at least in the way that boyan can and Look, you can say this is already a lost season. I'd rather have the picks, but I have always been consistent on this. And you have too, Aaron. Losing breeds losing. I've never been of the opinion that the process 76ers were a success. They were not. In, in my opinion, they were not. They were on track to continue losing over and over and over again, as long as Sam Hinkie was the, the in charge there. Um, and look, once they got rid of him, and Joel Embiid started playing, and they started trying to win games. They started winning games. Uh, but once they got – and then you look at the Jimmy Butler situation, there's a reason they haven't done anything since then. There's a reason they haven't ever gotten to the Eastern Conference Finals because that's a team that has too many guys who are complacent with losing, or too used to losing. And I think that that's where this team is at right now. You have just too many guys who have never experienced winning in the NBA – we're being asked to lead this team to wins. I just don't see how that's feasible. I just don't see how that's realistic. When Alec Burks is the only adult in the room, and even then, like, look, I like Alec Burks, but, like, Alec Burks has never been a top player on a good team. Never. Not once in his entire career. So, for me, I just think that you don't – we can blame Monty Williams all we want, and he does absolutely share some of the blame here. But I think when you don't even have the players out on the court who can lead, I just think you're just completely set up for failure. And again, that falls on Troy Weaver. Yeah, and I think that's an opportunity to segue into our next topic. We're, we're still talking about the state of this team, but looking at a grander scope, there's been a lot of talk locally and a bit of a rising murmur nationally regarding the hot seat of Detroit's C-suite, Detroit's front office, the guys like Troy Weaver, Arn Tellum, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, locally, we do have a report from James Edwards III of The Athletic saying that Weaver isn't on the hot seat right now and the organization doesn't seem likely to make a major move like that at GM or head coach. 
<laughs> oh, can you imagine if they were if they made a coaching change? Can you imagine if Monty Williams was on the hot seat after signing an eighty million dollar deal? Holy hell, that's where we're at. Right, and and Williams isn't getting fired for obvious reasons. Again, signed the richest contract in coaching history at the time in the offseason this past summer. Um, only has had 18 games with a depleted roster, but there's been a lot more talk about guys like Troy Weaver and Arntellum. There was the uh, viral rant that Mike Valeni went on about them on 97-1, the ticket, but there's been a lot of talk about the Pistons, the organization needing to make serious, serious changes at the top of the organizational hierarchy. Um, it's tough in my mind to make a move like that this early into the season, even if it's the right move and it needs to happen. I, I'm very curious where you stand on this because I remember when Troy Weaver got his contract extended and I said, well, uh, it seems like he's done some good things, but this was maybe a bit premature. Look at where they've ranked in the, in, in wins losses. Look at the, the roster fit, things like that. I got ripped apart. I got shredded for saying that I would have maybe waited a, a little bit longer to decide on extending Troy Weaver's contract. Uh, I will turn over to you to hear your thoughts now. And I'm not saying you were the one that ripped me. It was the, yeah i certainly didn't <laughs> but uh i got blasted for maybe saying hold on what was it last year or two years ago that he got his contract extended and uh i i just i'm gonna let you take this one first no i mean look i think i'm at the point with troy weaver i i tweeted it out a couple of days ago the detroit pistons won 62 out of 90 playoff games from 1987 to 1991 the Detroit Pistons won 62 out of 99 playoff games from 2004 until 2008 Troy Weaver's Pistons have won 62 out of 109 no they are 62 and 190 in the regular season from 2020 to 2023 they have been just an absolute embarrassment on the court and I just think for me, when you look at the way that he's constructed this roster, when you look at the free agents who he hasn't brought in, and I'm not even talking about in free agency this offseason, I'm talking about look who's out there now, not even great players, but like Terrence Ross is out there. Uh, Will Barton's still out there. These are guys who are still, in my opinion, NBA players, guys who could give you something. And I don't know why. Maybe he has reached out to them and they said, no, I'll, I'll stay at home. I'll wait till a contender wants to sign me. I can't blame them for saying that. But when I look at the way that this roster is constructed, and we even said it earlier, when Boyan Bogdanovich is the savior of your team, that says everything to me about the way that you have put together this roster and make no mistake outside of that what is in any way uh indicative of of him being able to put together a winning roster i just do not see it whatsoever and we've talked about it from day one the bruce brown trade was such a red flag 
a huge red flag. And the James Wiseman trade to me, that was the beginning of the end. I just cannot at this point trust Troy Weaver to put together a competent NBA roster. And it's really that simple. And he gives me absolutely no confidence with any of the, the letters that he writes or, or the statements about playing 82 competitive games. I just think the guy is a joke to be completely honest with you. And that's really where I stand with him right now. There's, there's really nothing else to be said. Um, the Pistons have been losers since he got here. They shy, they show zero signs of being anything other than losers in the entire time he's here because he doesn't know how to put together a working NBA roster. And it's not like Aaron, and this is the thing that really bothers me. It's not like you and I or Mike are coming on here saying that we know better than NBA GMs. We are not coming on here and saying we are smarter. We should be in charge. No, what we're saying is even we can see the issues as non-GMs, as non-people who are who are not locked into the NBA in that level. Even we could see the roster issues from a mile away. So that to me is just like so damning that everything, everything that we have warned the fans about since over a year ago now, might be going on two years, every single part of that has come true. And it's beyond frustrating as a fan as somebody who tries to break down the team as somebody who just watches nba basketball it's unbelievably disheartening to be proven right in this manner it's it's disgusting frankly and when you see what's happening with the rest of this roster i mean look you're right kate cunningham has not been efficient enough but he doesn't even look like the guy he looked like his rookie year there were games where Cade just yeah, he had some inefficient games, but he took over. He was able to take over games. I don't... Re he took over the Miami game. Do you recall a single, single other game this year where you really felt like Cade Cunningham was just possession after possession, imposing his will on the other team? No, no. I. It's It goes back to what we were saying earlier, right? The, the problem's stem deep it's not one person's fault it's not one player's fault it's not one coach's fault it's everyone's fault I, I i do think that it starts at the top though i mean look troy weaver has done a good job of collecting talent he's had good draft picks but if the players don't fit and you don't build around your draft picks and your top pieces you're going to get the results that the Pistons are getting now. We've heard all this talk about how the Pistons want to play big. The Pistons want to match up with the top dogs in the Eastern Conference that have big players and imposing defenses and things of that nature. But if you go back to when Golden State changed the landscape of the NBA and they were playing small, they played small because they had all these skilled players that could shoot. And so teams immediately decided they had to, to mimic that. They had to go small. They had to find guys that, that could shoot. They didn't play traditional centers, yada, yada, yada. Well, what happened to all those kids playing basketball that were 6'11"? They were, they were cursed with being made 6'11 and not 6'6". They were cursed at that point. 
They weren't going to just stop playing basketball. They weren't going to not develop. They weren't going to quit. So they decided, okay, if this is what teams need, if this is what colleges want and NBA teams want, I'm going to learn to dribble as a, as a taller guy. I'm going to learn to shoot as a taller guy. I'm going to learn to play me as a taller guy. This isn't – and you know what's happened? Teams have become bigger. Who are the best teams in the league right now? Who are, who are winning the most games? The teams that have big guys that are also skilled. Skilled big guys are what's winning basketball right now because the league is adapted. It's not we need to go big and just have these big physical guys that box out and rebound and, and play down low and are the tallest on the roster. That's not what what is winning nowadays. That's not Denver. That's not Milwaukee. Like, these are guys, They're these big teams all shoot, all have big guys that handle the ball, shoot the ball, pass the ball, yada, yada, yada. The Pistons went big, but didn't get any of the skill, didn't get any of the shooting, didn't get any of the passing. And it's just like the philosophy seems so flawed. And we're seeing the philosophy so blatantly, so obviously not working. We've mentioned it before, but watch how teams defend Isaiah Stewart. They don't defend Isaiah Stewart. They don't worry about him on the offensive side of the floor. Go stand in the corner. Go stand at the left wing. You can hoist. We'll live with you shooting 36% from the three-point line on wide open shots. We'll take that because we'd rather double and triple team a Cade Cunningham drive to the rim with Jalen Duran rolling to the basket. We'd rather defend that than the 36% chance of you making a wide open three-pointer. The philosophy is not working. And there's a stubbornness to it that is off-putting. It's it's frustrating because they're so blatant about wanting to play two bigs together. Are they going to start Boyan Bogdanovich when he comes back? They have to. They come off the bench. Are no, they, they have to. Thompson? Yeah, they're going to sit a star. So, I, I'm I'm so sure of it. They're going to sit a star. So they're because... going to Isaiah Stewart still, and yeah, they're going to what? Thompson, who's their best defender by a mile. I I are... genuinely think so, Aaron. I genuinely yeah, think so. That's the problem. Like that's the problem because they're so headstrong in this idea, despite it not working, and teams exposing it every single game, and we're sitting here in Troy Weaver's fourth year four drafts later and we're having very very frustrating discussions that you would imagine you'd be having year one year two you're coming out of it year three and year four you're you're getting a step closer to the playoffs like this team is taking a step back i don't know if you're, you're noticed in the record they're, they're taking a step backwards and they just got their best their their franchise player back this season who's played in all all 16 17 18 games whatever it's been like this has been a disaster and it starts at the top with the person that is making every single decision about who is on the team. Aaron, who knew that, that Troy Weaver saying we will never lose this many games again. Who knew that that was a threat? <laughs> you know, we will never lose this many games again. We're going to lose more <laughs> and, and you're like, take it, uh, you know, and look, the thing is, you know, people go, oh, well, he's drafted. Well, well, you know what, Aaron? I, I just don't really freaking buy that. I genuinely don't because 
my little old scouting eyes said, who was the number one player on my board for the fifth overall pick this year? Asar Thompson. Who was the number one pick on my board last year? Jaden Ivey. Who did I think was the best big man that wasn't named Chet Holmgren or Jabari Smith last year? Well, I thought it was Jalen Duran. Who did I want to take number one overall? Well, it was Kate Cunningham. Well, who did I want to take in 2020? Oh, I wanted to take Tyrese Halliburton, actually. So if if we're talking simply on draft acumen, bring me in. Because obviously, I can do just as good, if not better, a job than Troy Weaver can. And And I'm not actually saying that seriously. I'm saying it facetiously, but like, these have not been hard picks he's had to make in the top of the lottery. They just have not. And and you look at his second round drafting, it's been abysmal, utterly abysmal. He has drafted one, one guy in the second round that you could maybe, if you squint hard enough, see having an NBA career in Isaiah Livers. And I'm going to be honest with you, man. Isaiah Livers, to me, is the 14th man on 80% of the rosters you have in the NBA right now. That is the high point for Troy Weaver's second round drafting. Um, you know, you talk about Marcus Sasser, like maybe, who knows? And who even knows how these guys even fit together at this point? You've already, you, you've taken a loss on Killian Hayes. You took a loss on Sadiq Bey. James Wiseman was the guy you would have taken over Anthony Wet Edwards and LaMelo Ball in 2020, which, oh my God, can you imagine, Aaron? It's like, seriously, can you imagine if the Pistons had gotten the number one overall pick and taken James Wiseman in 2020? I, well, on the upside, at least Troy Weaver might not be here anymore. I don't know, though. Tom Gorris doesn't seem all that interested in doing anything about this team that is completely floundering, that has no direction, that is an utterly incomprehensible roster made up of individual talents that have no idea what they're doing out on the court because of all the things I just mentioned beforehand. To me, I just think Troy Weaver's been an absolute failure, an absolute failure. And again, like the only thing you can say in defense of him is that he's kept the cap clean. Sorry, any NBA GM can sit around on their ass and trade away contracts and, and clean up a cap. That's not hard. The hard part is rebuilding the roster. It's what you spend that cap on. It's how you bring players in and who you bring in. That is the difficult part of the job. And Troy Weaver, in four years, has sat on his hands and twiddled his thumbs. So for me... I have no confidence in this guy to do anything other than continue what he's doing, which is make obvious picks at the top of the draft that any fan, including you or me, could make and do nothing in free agency because it's not a free agent destination and it never fucking freaking will be as long as he's here. You said you weren't going to get angry. You said you were going to stay calm. That wasn't. <laughs> that was me calm. <laughs> that was the calm version. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just don't know what else to say at this point. Like, he's not on the hot seat. You said it, Aaron. It starts from the top down. What does that say about the guy above him? Yeah, it's it's frustrating. Uh, it, it feels like there's just been 
like you said, like you can you can clean up a cap space, but it's been pushing off major moves year after year after year. You know, there was the the talk about last, so not this past offseason, but the offseason before that of uh, the Pistons were then going to spend and make a move, and they didn't. And then it was going to be this past offseason, and they didn't. And it's just like every chance to, to improve this team has kind of been pushed back season after season, and we're sitting here waiting for that that move to come. And now it's like, is the move going to be to bring back Jeremy Grant? Is that the the million dollar play that that you've got lined up but that's not solving the issues with this team so he might he might bring him in and then give him an extra five million a year just for the hell of it i mean really look at his look at his the guys he's brought in here look at his investments who's he spent money on mason Plumley, kelly olenic it's not it's not a great sheet that's it's it is what it is you know the what you see on the record is indicated of of what this roster has looked like and the moves that have been made by the decision makers uh, in the front office. So it's it doesn't look like it's going to get better right now. Uh, it was reported that they are more likely to make some sort of trade, likely after the December 15th deadline, when those who signed free agency contracts this past offseason – become trade eligible so we'll see if he has a move up his sleeve to maybe potentially save his job to be quite frank uh in the coming weeks but i think jasper needs to you know maybe put a a warm cloth on his head calm down a little bit promised me he wasn't wasn't going to go too crazy today wasn't going to get himself riled up but we we've seen it once again. And then I'm trying to I'm trying to really mellow down the the vibes here because like we said at the beginning of the show, we've accepted. Jasper, you told me we you've accepted. So we're gonna we're gonna wind down here, I think. But we'll see if the Pistons do make a, a move in the coming weeks. Jasper, on that note, do you have anything else you'd like to say before before we wrap this up? Go Pistons. <laughs> good luck tonight we You're will need it we will see how the pistons come out uh against the new york knicks looking to end the franchise record 15 game losing streak that is going to do it for this week's edition of the palace of pistons podcast brought to you by believe Thanks again to our sponsor, Bet Online. Make sure to use our promo code Believe B L E A V for a fifty percent the welcome bonus on your first deposit. We will see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.